Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to remind you of something. This has been a really hard season to live and lead. Now, that's probably not a surprise to you, but what may be a surprise to you is that there are people who can be in your corner to help you clarify. We have this simple equation at Stay Forth. We say as clarity goes up, overwhelm goes down. And what's important about that is to say that if you can clarify things about your life, your leadership, your team, your business, your church, your nonprofit, as you clarify things, you're feeling less overwhelmed. Overwhelm and anxiety can melt into next steps, execution, and ultimately becoming the leader God designed you to be, even in the midst of chaos. You're feeling stuck. You're feeling like you're in a fog. You're feeling overwhelmed. Then it is time for you to look at coaching. If you don't know what coaching is, it's different from friendship, it's different from counseling, it's different from mentorship. We deeply believe in those things, but a coach comes alongside of you to clarify your next step, to help you design those. You take those, and now we come along and live in accountability with you, live in relationship with you. And we are seeing incredible results from leaders all across the country, whether they're business leaders, church leaders, or nonprofit leaders. And occasionally we like to read an endorsement, a review on our Facebook page of how this is affecting leaders and transforming their lives. This is from Kimberly. She said, I started coaching with Stay Forth back in October. After each session, I feel super energized and poised to contribute more richly and intentionally in the midst of my areas of influence and impact. I especially love the tools provided that give me a better understanding of myself and others. Kimberly, we are so glad that you've grown along the way. It's an honor to walk alongside with you as a as Stay Forth coaches. I want to just remind you, please, please, please look at our Stay Forth coaching page. We bring tools alongside of you so that you can build a process long after coaching is gone where you are clarified and you are strategic and you are executing and you are doing the things you are uniquely designed to do. So head on over to stayforth.com, click on our coaching page to see some of our different options. Also click on our team page and our network page to find a coach that's a good fit for you. Great news, you get a free breakthrough session. We start with one of our coaches. We try to break through some area of your life and leadership where you've been stuck and you get to decide if you want to continue on coaching or not. Stayforth.com. Head on over to the coaching page, the team page, and the network page to see what we do, who we are, and how we can help you take your next right steps. And now, on to another awesome episode of the podcast. Well, Brian, it's awesome to have you on today. Thanks for jumping onto this call. My pleasure, Alan. Good to be with you. Yeah, man, your, your heart for getting people out of maybe their comfort zones, what's normal uh, today is really exciting to me as we share really a similar heart for uh, not only just the wilderness and adventure, but getting people out to experience how God designed them in, in those spaces. The gateway to a lot of transformation, I believe, is that uncomfortable adventure and those spaces you put people in. So how did you get interested in this? How did you start doing this as both a pastor and a leader? Well, I was in a a men's group that used to meet in the, in the mornings at a, at a coffee shop. And I was with these guys for a while. And, and one of the guys said, Hey, why don't we, um, why don't we do something fun? Why don't we, why don't we get our wives and let's go out to Vegas and let's rent Harleys and Harley Davidson motorcycles. And let's just, uh, let's, let's drive around for a few days. 
And I thought, that's about the most stupid thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> At that point in my life, my life was all about being on task, doing church work, doing things that are productive, building a family. This is like, eh, eh, just, just like, and sure. the thought of like doing that, that sounded to me like someone was asking me to go to a strip club, you know, just, just was weird. Um, so I went. So, so, we, so we went. We, we, we went so I went. <laughs> we went out west, and I found on my second day out there uh, with my wife on the back of the motorcycle, I thought, man, I haven't thought about Crossroads, the church I started, like at all. This is this is amazing, and that actually launched me back into not me launched me into understanding a theology of play, a theology of fun. And I had, quite frankly, just just lost that. And I've been a big advocate for for just having fun, uh, any way, well, any way that is uh, honoring God as possible. And a lot of that's morphed into the wilderness stuff. That's awesome. Was there a moment on one of those uh, next few trips where you said, "Man, I need to move this from something that encouraged me to we got to bring this into the culture of our church. We got to invite more people in there." Yeah, I was on a on a motorcycle trip, so I went from doing Harley stuff on pavement to then um, getting on dirt off road and and camping a lot. It just was more a more fulfilling experience than buzzing around on on twisties. And we were sitting around one one night with guy a bunch of guys, I think about eight of us, and we sat around and thought, "Wow, this is amazing, man." We we were kind of soaked to the bone because the night before we had gotten stuck in the middle of a, of a Creek and guys had had their bikes tipping over. And now we were camping in a less than ideal spot, but yet we laughed all night. We found ourselves around the campfire in the morning and we were getting into some really dig deep stuff. Like, where are you with God? What's happening in your world and all that stuff. And I said, guys, what can we do to enable more guys to experience this? who don't have to be on a motorcycle because I wouldn't need to be on a motorcycle. What if we, what could we do to do that? And so we invented this thing called man camp, which is um, having guys get together and camp together and experience things they normally wouldn't experience together. My dog's collar making a lot of, a lot of noise. So I had to get it off. Excuse <laughs> me. And, uh, and we did that. The first man camp was born and we had uh, 500 guys show up. First 500 could come and, it was sold out in 90 seconds with credit card information opening up at 6 a.m. And then we said, well, let's do another one. We had another 500. And then we're, we ended up bought, buying land. And um, now we have a whole um, kind of sector of our ministry called off the grid, getting, getting people off the grid because when we get outside of civilization, which, by the way, the way every single human being has lived until the last 80 years. I mean, we say, well, I don't like the camp. Well, then you don't like being a human. Every single human being in every single corner of the globe in every single time period has learned how to sleep outside and learn how to take a poop in the woods and, and, and learned how to experience nature. And I think it's not coincidental that in our culture that is skyrocketing with mental illness in our culture that is skyrocketing with men being more likely to, uh, commit suicide than women. Men are three times more likely for alcohol-related incidents. We are, um, we're just a hurting, hurting culture. I, I think it's maybe connected to the fact that we're not understanding our roots, our primal nature, being outside, disconnecting, having fun, and laughing outside of watching Netflix. So good theology of fun, man. We got to camp out there. 
Why is fun so crucial to connecting with one another and with God? Well, first of all, let's go back to our word, recreation. What does it mean? Recreation. Recreation. Adam and Eve get created on the sixth day or the sixth period of time, depending on what your theology is. And the very first day of their existence is not work in a garden. The very first day of their existence is resting, is recreating, which shows us that we're not human doings, we're, we're human beings. And so I feel like there's this thing in you know modern church culture that's like made us feel guilty if we laugh. Made us feel guilty if we're taking time off. Makes me say, oh, how's things going? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, busy. Like, when someone asks you how you're doing, you're supposed to say, well, I'm busy or I'm stressed or, man, I'm slammed. Someone says, how are you doing? We go, man, I'm feeling good and light and free. People go, you must be not be serving God wholeheartedly. Something must be wrong with you. Or are we, we just a weirdo? Crazy idea that the children of God would not be lighthearted and the the children of God would not laugh and the children of God would not be able to detach from their labors. It's this craziness. And yet many of us are wearing it as a badge of honor. And therefore, we're wearing all kinds of mental afflictions that we shouldn't have. So true, especially for leaders. So you're talking to leaders here, people of influence. Many have young kids and the challenges there. You know all of that. So what are a few of those things that you think, especially for leaders, are really standing in the way of us getting out for that recreation, getting out for that fun? What are a few of those things holding us back from ultimately doing what we really need to be doing? Well, it sounds really simple, and we all preach about it, but I don't know that we do about it. There's nothing I I hate worse than the saying-doing gap. When I say something, but I don't do something. So all of us will teach or say Sabbath, but do we actually take a weekly Sabbath? Are we actually having a week where we are unproductive? That's the point of a Sabbath, to be unproductive. No emails, no strategic thinking, no foreplanning on my message. A time when we recreate and we are unproductive. The ancient Jews understood this. They also had times of festivals, right? Mandatory festivals and holidays that you couldn't do your normal thing on. So all of us on our schedule, we've got to have blocks that we're not being productive. That's one. Two, what are you going to do in those blocks? This is where most of us really short circuit. We don't, most of us don't know how to have fun. Most of us who say, what, what's your hobby? We don't, we don't know what our hobby is. Most of us can't identify a place where we're wasting money because that's what a hobby does. It wastes money. I have not met a hobby that doesn't cost money. Some are more expensive than others, but it's going to cost you money. And uh, we're not very good at that, but you've got to find something that you actually want to do. Not like I should do this. I want to do this. And this draws me out of my mundane life. I want to go in my truck and drive with my wife and camp. I want to do that. So I'm drawn to YouTube videos of people overlanding, of four-wheel driving. I'm drawn drawn to plan my next adventure we're going to try to do next summer of drive to Alaska. And I'm drawn. So I'm not just driving to Alaska, but I'm thinking about other things. I'm fantasizing about other unproductive things. And I just mean, I just meet too many, too many people in ministry that don't have anything to think about other than ministry and their morality. 
If you're about your ministry and your morality, you will not last long. Or if you do last a while, you will be a boring, sad sack that nobody wants to be around. We, 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 we need to exemplify the lives that other people want to see and be a part of. And that means people want to be around people who are smiling. People want to be around people who are, who are lighthearted, not you know, showing their 11s. You know, your 11s are, right, Alan? No, what's no, that? Your 11s, like this. Like we, some oh. of us think, like, that's my 11s. These are your the 11s. <laughs> like, if I'm not like this, my ministry's hard. It's hard. It's really work. Like, whoo, whoo. People don't, aren't inspired by that. They don't want to have that kind of life. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My burden's easy. My load's light, right? He's, I don't think he's just talking about the law. I think he's talking about his whole way of life. And uh, we've got to start modeling better behavior for folks. And you've been at Crossroads a long time, planted the church. Was there a particular season that was hardest for you to be able to rediscover fun, play, whimsy, hobbies than others i think it's that liftoff phase which is the worst you know all the fuel that goes on board a space shuttle or on board a spaceship that nasa launches off the vast vast majority of that fuel is expended in the first initial liftoff phase and you know, when you're starting a church, it's, I think it's always going to be that initial liftoff phase. It's going to be the most tiring and the most draining for you. And it's the, the time where you think like, I can't afford to take a vacation. Um, I think that was the, that was the most, uh, the most difficult time for me. But then what happens is you, as you get older and you go on, I actually don't, don't tell anybody this. Don't Seriously, don't tell anybody this. The larger your church gets, the more discretionary time you have. Shh, don't, don't, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Seriously, the larger your church gets, the less you're needed. I know that's shocking to some, it really is, but seriously, because you got more staff members, you got more volunteers, there's a culture that's set. And so while you have the ability to break away, what happens in those later years is you become accustomed to being in liftoff mode, hyper productivity mode, hyper expend myself mode. Like if I'm not tired and worn out and, you know, at the foot of the cross, like I've heard people say, well, I don't want to, I'd rather, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Well, either way you're out, right? Either, either way, either way you're yeah. done. So when you get, when you get later in ministry, it's, it's about, overcoming the bad habits of your youth. And I, I think I've been doing a, a much better job at that in the last few years. Oh, that's, that's so good, man. I absolutely love what you're doing. What are you seeing from leaders during COVID as related to this conversation of play, rest, Sabbath, margin, vacation, even what are you observing in, in the craziness of 2020? I'm observing every leader being frustrated with this problem. That's what I'm observing. I, I'm, I'm not seeing people who have, have this solved. Um, People like myself who had as a little mode of recreation, getting to the gym and working out. I'm not going to the gym and working out. I'm looking, you know, I'm in, now we all know what, what, what hell is like now, right? Zoom calls. It's not flames. It's, it's Zoom calls. all day. Zoombies, Zoom fatigue. It's right. everywhere. So, um, I'm not recreating in that way like I used to. And I'm seeing most people, um, they just haven't figured out a new rhythm yet. They haven't figured out a new way to detach. Um, I, I think every, most people are really struggling. They're not just 
struggling because of the COVID environment. They're struggling to figure out how they recharge because their old, way, old ways of recharging um, aren't working. All right, and man, too, the give me a couple bucket listers that, that you're dreaming on right now. We're so stuck in the moment. Uh, give us a vision other than the Alaska trip that you mentioned. What are a couple bucket list adventures that you'd like to, to knock off the list at some point? Oh gosh. People be surprised to know. I don't, I don't have a bucket list of, of things to do. I don't, I, 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 I've done a lot of really good things. I don't, I tend to have just one or two things that are in the short term future that I, that I'm going to make happen. So my energy and resources right now is focused on Alaska, not specifically like in Alaska. I want the whole drive to Alaska. I, I, I want to be fishing on the way. I just, I just, for my first time, I caught and ate a fish. I've been a born loser fisherman. And I just was out in Colorado last month. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Caught some rainbow trout, some brown trout. It was, it was wonderful. Amazing. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go all the way, going up, up through Canada. I want to, I want to fish my way up, up there. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm thinking about right now. I've got one an adventure coming up. Uh, I say adventure. Adventure is all relative. It's just uh, down in Kentucky. I'm in Ohio, just borders Kentucky. I'm going to leave Thursday. We're going to come back Sunday. And I'm going to go with another couple, my, my wife and another couple. We're going to go and we're just going to get on some dirt roads, some forest roads, and we're going to drive and camp. You know, and uh, that'll be, it'll be that simple. Awesome. Love it. Hey, we're both big fans of compassion and what compassion does across the world. I know you are a fan and advocate your church is an advocate. What do you love about what compassion does? How'd you get involved? Well, I've been sponsoring compassion kid for decades. And what really changed me was I went on a compassion trip to, um, Nicaragua, uh, and I said, oh, they, they invited me to go. And I said, oh, okay, I'll go. And just want, they wanted me to see their work. And what I was shocked by, utterly shocked by, I, I met as a cynical American, what I believe was I was sending in my, I think at that time was $33 a month or whatever it was. I was sending in my $33 a month to Tawil in Haiti. And, um, but it was really going to some slush fund. And this slush fund was then coming to help Twill with whatever. I didn't take writing my first compassion child very seriously. I didn't, I mean, I thought compassion was a fine organization, but I had no idea. When I went and I saw the boots on the ground work that happens in compassion, when I saw families different, when I saw books in local schools that had kids' entire school record in them, when I saw the number of college graduates that comes out of their program, when I saw what happens in a kid's life to be fed and educated through your 18th birthday for what I think is now $38 a month, the impact it has on them, and their community. I was blown away, like just literally blown away to see kids weep because they're not getting a letter from their sponsor. They care about that sponsor to see families have photos of people from America, you know, up on their, up on their little walls. Cause they're praying for that. Cause there's a, there's a huge thing just, just, impressed me and I just convicted of my hard heart just being cynical like eh, whatever we're sending money over there I hope it's doing well when I saw how it was changing lives I said all right well maybe maybe God has caused crossroads to get as big as it has just for me to throw my weight behind compassion maybe the reason why God is 
we've grown our platform and enable more people to be in touch with what we have is that we can get more people sponsoring with compassion. So we've, we've really gone in that on big, big ways. And we've seen the blessing in our church, the blessing as it relates to people feeling alive, that they're helping the least of these, uh, the blessing of our church having a reputation for being about something or another thing other than ourselves. And quite frankly, the blessing of God causing things to break in our ministry, which I wouldn't have anticipated otherwise. And maybe it's God smiling on us with the midst of our Compassion International funding. I'm, you could say that we might have cannibalized our giving by getting thousands and thousands of people to support Compassion International. Maybe they shipped their money away from Crossroads. I don't know. But all I know is there hasn't been a lack for us financially since we've done it. So um, head over heels, passionate and convicted that compassion is a place where I want to put a good portion of my energy. Mm, that's incredible. Well, thanks for getting behind compassion. I am such a fan and I've seen them on the ground. I've been to Nicaragua as well, blown away and remembering, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought it was. I'm telling you that we're writing our kids more than we were before. I went over there. That's for sure. And I've been absolutely blown away. Brian, one more question for you, just kind of at the heart of where we're at right now in this moment, 2030 question, 10 years from now, you look back to 2020. What do you want people to say about how you lived and led through this moment, through this year? Um, I want people to, to say that was a moment where we shifted to a, Brian shifted to a new wineskin. I want people to say that was a moment where our tunnel vision, you know, got squashed. I, I think we're going to come 20 years from now. We're going to look back and go, Hey, do you remember the days that we put all of our time into, into doing something on a Sunday morning? Do you remember how all of our energies were focused on this? And every week you had to come up with some new talk and new, and like, all the wasted time and effort, I think that we're figuring out right now ways to do ministry in 21st century America forced upon us from COVID that will not leave us and should never leave us. And I, I hope that that's what's said of me is that I, I saw a new way beyond just keeping the old railroad going.